0: It's always neat to see the boys and girls get to go into children's church from this angle, because <laughs> it means I get to be in here with you, and I'm excited to do uh, to do fellowship with you, to break open the Word with you this morning. So, what I'm asked to do, I want you to take your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter eight. Acts chapter eight. And we're going to read verses 26 through 40. Acts chapter 8, we're going to read verses 26 through 40. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do again come to you this morning in prayer, and we ask that you would be here with us, that your spirit would be in the midst of us, that your spirit would be moving and doing something that as we read through these scriptures, as we look to Find out what you would have for us this morning. I pray that you would already begin to do a work in the hearts of every person here so that their lives are different. And God, that you would start to move in such a way that this church would rise up and that, Father, we would be compelled to tell and preach and communicate the truths of your gospel. Lord, do something with us this morning. Do something amazing with us this morning. It's in your son's name, Jesus, we do ask these things, and for his sake, amen. All right, Tina, I want you uh, to start. You're going to have uh, see up on the screen, there's going to be a timer started. All right, it's a 30-minute timer, and it's going to be going all through the course of the sermon this morning. And the reason why we're going to have a timer going this morning is I want you to feel a sense of urgency. I want you to feel a sense of time ticking away. No, this is not a me promising you know the time. It's not anything like that. Although, although I will be, I will be watching that timer as well. But I want you to feel a sense of urgency. And here's what I want you to feel a sense of urgency about. I want you to to sense time is ticking away. The reason why I want you to feel that way, is because statistically. The truth, the reality for this world is that for every second that ticks away on that timer, for every single second, two people pass away. So, there went two people. They just passed. They just entered eternity. Two more people. Two more people. I want us to feel a sense of urgency during this time. What we're talking about right now is not something that only remains in this room. There are worldwide implications of what we're communicating today. Because outside of this room, two more people just perished, entered into eternity. And so I want us to feel just a sense of that clock ticking. I want us to have that on us. And I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you really two questions here at the beginning. Okay? As we notice this clock ticking by and as two more people just perished, do you care? That's the first question. Do you care? And the second question is this. Do you care enough to do something about it. If you said yes to the first question, yes, of course I care. People are dying all over the world and they're entering into eternity. Yes, of course I care about that. If your answer to the first question was yes, but perhaps your second the answer to the second question was I'm not sure what I can or should do about it. I don't know if I need to do anything. Maybe I don't know enough to go do something. Maybe I'm not the right person for this. If you answered, yes, I care in the first question, but the answer to the second one was no, and even if it was a roundabout no, then I'm going to make this statement to you, and this is a hard statement to make. But if the answer to the first question was yes, and the answer to the second question was no, then in reality, the answer to the first question was no as well. If you're not willing to do something about this, then you don't care that two more people just passed. Two more people just passed into eternity. If you're not willing to do something about it, then you don't care. Um, Bill Bright, in his book, The Coming Revival, said that only 2% of Christians in America, share their faith regularly. Only 2% of people who proclaim to be Christians in America share their faith regularly. Promise Keepers, which is a a men's ministry, said that 90% of all Christian men have not shared their faith one single time. Two more people just passed. The clock is ticking. Charles Spurgeon said this. He's quoted as saying, Have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. Listen to those sobering words again. Spurgeon said, Have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. If you have no desire to see the lost come to Christ. If you have no desire to communicate the truths of the gospel to others. To see people, one, from death to life. And you stand on a shaky ground if you claim to be a believer. Acts 1.8, after all, tells us uh, as Jesus was leaving, as he was going to ascend into heaven, he tells his disciples, uh, he says, uh, excuse me, I didn't flip back far enough. He tells his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He says that when the Spirit comes, the Spirit is going to come in power. And specifically that power is for you to be witnesses. And It wasn't just the disciples who heard on those days. That was something he was saying for all of those who would put their trust in him. When the Spirit comes upon you, it will be to give you power to bear witness to the truth of who Christ is, what he has accomplished. You will have power to communicate the gospel. And we have prayed this morning multiple times and we've asked the Spirit to be here in the midst of us. We've asked the Spirit to come and move in this place. So understand, if we're asking the Spirit to come and move in this place, if we're asking Him to be here in the middle of us, then what we're asking is, God, give us power to go out and be a witness. We're not asking Him, God, be here so that we sing better. We're not asking God, be here so that we really get those emotional feels this morning. If we're asking the Spirit to be here, we're asking Him to be here in the middle of us so that we go out in power to a world that is lost and dying, and they need the gospel because two more people just perish. We've prayed for the Spirit to be here. So don't let it just be in this room. This is not a sermon that you sit down here and that it's just nice and you, you, you leave and it's not something that makes you different. If this is real, if this is genuine, if this is true, then it's going to call you to get up and to go. That's what this is. So if we are going to receive power to get up, to go, the text that we have picked this morning will show us maybe just an example of what that looks like. And I think it's going to help us understand some things even that goes on in our culture today. The things that we're surrounded by. Now in these passages, we're going to see a man named Philip. And he has an evangelical encounter. And Philip was one of the seven People chosen back in Acts chapter six to serve tables. Uh, he was a, a, a deacon. He was a uh, he was a servant who was called not as an apostle. He was not called as a preacher. He was called as a servant. Now, you'll see the remarkable thing about it is that this servant, he preached. This servant, he went, but this servant named Philip is someone that everyone in this room can relate to because this was a man who was called to serve, and yet all of those things that were placed on the apostles back in one eight in chapter 1, verse 8, where he says that they were to receive power to be witnesses, that was on him as well. And he took it seriously. And his encounter, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you up front, Uh, his encounter can be broken into four sections. Go, open your mouth, begin with Scripture, and tell about Jesus. In fact, that's what I titled this sermon because... I'm simple. Go, open your mouth, begin with Scripture, and tell about Jesus. So let's look at his encounter. First, there's the going. Right there in verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south. And to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, this is a desert place. Now, Philip was told to go from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's about 60 miles, okay? And 60 miles for Philip in those times, that's that's a journey. That's a long way to go. It's going to be a couple of days before he reaches Gaza. So to go looked a little bit different then than it does for us. For, for us, if you're on the interstate, it takes less than an hour to go 60 miles. If you're a couple of members in this church, it takes you less than 30 minutes to go 60 miles. But Philip's day, this was a going, this was a traveling. Understand, Philip was not called to go any farther then we are called to go when we drive just an hour on the interstate. And so in our day, our going looks different. Not Not that we're called not to go, but rather we get to go and we get to go to the mission field quicker. We can arrive there sooner. That's what our going looks like. And we've been blessed so far this year in our church, and even coming up in our church, that we've sent and we've gone places in our church. We've been to Kenya and Tanzania, Tanzania. I couldn't spit it out, Guatemala, New Orleans, Romania, in just a little bit of time. We just sent two to Jamaica. And not only that, Not only is that part of the going, but understand, when we're called to go, it's also talking about when you go to work. It's talking about when you go to school, students. It's talking about when you go to Walmart. Definitely when you go to Walmart. When we're called to go, understand we're already a people who go. We already travel, we already leave and go places. So this is not a call that we should be, that we should feel like, no, 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 we don't go places. We do. We go places all the time. I'll prove it to you here in just a, a little bit after this service. Many of you will go out to eat. You will go out to eat. And you're going to meet. Uh, waiter or a waitress, you're going to have a server, and that person obviously did not go to church this morning. There's no reason in the world you should feel like they have an understanding of the gospel. You have gone and you have met somebody that you did not know previously and therein lies a chance for you to have an evangelistic encounter. Why is that important? Because Two people just passed away. Two people just entered eternity. The clock is ticking. Philip met someone while he was going. He met an Ethiopian eunuch. Verse 27, and he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. So as Philip is going, just like you will be going here in a few minutes, as Philip is going, he runs into someone who is very, very different than the people Philip usually associates with. I don't have time this morning to make this connection uh, at length, but just understand If you want to figure it out, there's all kinds of resources. Uh, Be a Berean, you can go look it up. But an Ethiopian eunuch at that time would have been someone very, very strange to Philip. It would have probably been very close to someone we consider today to be a transgender. And while Philip is going, he encounters this Ethiopian eunuch, someone who looks very different from most of the people we encounter on a daily basis. And immediately, he recognizes because the Spirit has him go up to this Ethiopian eunuch, walks up to him, and he hears that this person has heard something about the good news before. The person had just been in Jerusalem. They probably walked into Jerusalem. They probably, this, this eunuch, had probably been in there. We don't know this. This is not uh, in the text. But if Jerusalem was anything like we think it was, when he walked in there, this eunuch probably stood out like a sore thumb. Immediately, he was probably ostracized. And in this house that was supposed to be for worship he wasn't felt he didn't feel welcomed. so he turned around and he left jerusalem but he still knew that there was good news to be had and philip looks at this eunuch, and he immediately recognizes this person though they're completely different from where i am this person needs the gospel and they want to know it He's reading from the book of Isaiah. And so he walks up and he starts talking with this person. Someone who probably regularly he's not going to talk with. If it were not for the gospel, he might not have anything to share. But because of the gospel, he had everything to say to this person. And he walks up, and so in his going, he encountered someone who needed to know the gospel truth. Understand, in your going, you're going to encounter people who need the gospel truth. You're going to encounter people who are different from you, who have, sin that they struggle with, who have difficulties understanding things about the gospel. You're going to encounter those people and understand that their sin cannot be a barrier for you to go and communicate the gospel. Their sin means they need the gospel. And who will tell them if not you? So in your going, you will meet people who need to hear this truth And you have a command to talk with them because two people just passed away. Two more just entered into eternity. And you don't know when their time will come. So Philip went, and the first part of it is to go. The second part is to open your mouth. And I get this from uh, verse Uh, 35, it kind of gives, I'm sorry, uh, uh, let's see here, not verse 35, Uh, I get it from, um, I wrote down the wrong verse, no, it is verse 35, excuse me, (laughs) I was testing you. All right, verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth seems simple enough right but how many of you ever heard this this saying before it used it was it was very popular all over bumper stickers and uh all over slogans when i was a, a teenager i saw a lot I haven't seen it as much recently but how many of you have ever heard uh the the quote or the statement that where it says preach the gospel everywhere you go and if necessary use words how many have you ever heard that before how many of you yeah that's the biggest goop you could ever hear. That'd be like that'd be like <laughs> that'd be like me saying, "Let me go and show you how much I love my wife," and I just walk up and do this. Doesn't prove anything. Having a cheerful disposition or being kind, it might prove that you're in a good mood. But the way someone will know the gospel is if you open your mouth and if you begin to share with them. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15 tells us this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone Preaching. And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You cannot preach the good news. You cannot communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ unless you open your mouth and unless you are willing to share with them. You can't stare them into salvation. You can't give them a sandwich. For salvation, even though those things are wonderful and great gifts, you are called to open your mouth and to share, to preach, to communicate the truths about Christ. Why? Because two people just entered eternity. Not only did he go. Not only did he open his mouth, but the next part of it, he opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture. See, this eunuch had an understanding of what the Bible said. And so it was easy for Philip to jump into the scripture. and It was easy for him to communicate the truths of the gospel. and It was easy for him to begin with the scripture. But a lot of times, a lot of times, you feel like, well, they're not reading the Bible when I walk up. How can I begin with the scripture with them? I'll give you a a real good freebie right now when you walk into a a, a restaurant here in a little bit. When your waiter or waitress comes up, did you go to church this morning? Where'd you go? Where, Where do you normally go? And all of a sudden, you've turned the conversation into a spiritual one, which leads you into the scripture. It's an easy transition from there. I like to begin. And the students did this when we were in New Orleans. I like to begin by. Explaining to them. God's standard for us. and So we look at the ten commandments. And we walk through some of those things. That's where I like to begin. But you begin with the scripture. You cannot stand on your own authority. When you begin to share the truths of the gospel. Uh, Very famously, uh, Andy Stanley in Atlanta said recently that Christians ought to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. That we ought to kind of distance ourselves from the Old Testament. That that's the way to communicate to this generation. Oh no. In no way do we ever unhitch ourselves from any part of the scripture. We must be willing to begin with it. We must be willing to have the conversation saturated with it. And we must be willing to end with the scripture. If we stand on our own authority. If we promise health, wealth and prosperity. if uh, If we promise... Uh, good times, if we promise that, uh, that we'll, people will like them better, anything other than what the Scripture places the authority on, if we, if we promise them anything, if we stand on any authority other than the Scriptures, then our message will be in vain. We must begin with the Scriptures. And the last thing, then Philip opened his mouth, began with the scriptures he told him the good news about Jesus. The reason I like to begin with the Old Testament I like to begin with the reason I like to begin with uh, with the, the the Ten Commandments because it shows them a need for Jesus and so once they see a need then I get to point them to, to the the cross of Christ, to His perfection, to His salvation, I get to point them to that. And when I point them to that, then they can see that not only do they have a problem, not only do they have, have a need, but they have a salvation, they have a hope. 30 minutes has gone by. And in that 30 minutes, 3,600 people have entered into eternity. Do you care? Do you care enough to do something about it? If you do, then when you leave here this morning, As you go, open your mouth, start with the Scriptures, and tell someone about Jesus. That's your command. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do love you. We praise you. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be here. I thank you for your word and I thank you that Father, you've given us this command that, that you've given us the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom's work, to be a part of your kingdom's plan. Father, I pray that people in this room would take it seriously. That they would as they leave this building, they would go, they would open their mouths, they would start with your scriptures, and they would tell someone about your son, Jesus. Not because we want to grow a nicer church or have a a greater number of people here than at the church down the road. Not because... We want a pat on the back. No, but because we recognize the dire need for people to hear about your son. People are perishing quickly. And we never know when the last chance we'll have to share the gospel will come. And we never know when that person we have an opportunity to talk with will enter into eternity. God, make us uncomfortable. If we are not sharing the truths about your son. And it's in his name we ask these things and for his sake. Amen. Perhaps some of you don't know the gospel yourselves. Perhaps you sit there and say, Well, I don't care. I haven't, I don't care about getting up and doing anything about it what does that mean does that mean that maybe i don't understand the gospel if you're having those questions i'll be here i'd love to talk with you about it if you think i have not shared the gospel i'm one of the 90 percent of people who've never shared it one time i'm not even close to the two percent who does it ever if that's you and you need this time of repentance then we'll have the altar open this is a time for you to respond But let's all stand together. We'll sing. This is a time.